And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. Then the Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed that scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been standing in a store before and completely forgotten what season it actually is? Like you're there for Halloween candy, but you're like, I could use a Christmas tree right now. And really, St. Patrick's Day is just right around the corner, right? Like I can just do all of this. My favorite was working at Kohl's in college and putting swimsuits out on January 1st. That was when we were told those have to be staged, which made perfect sense, of course, in the Midwest to do that. You see, we do that all the time. We love our decorations. We love our decor for the holidays. The greatest joy that we had this last Christmas was buying this really sad three-foot inflatable Darth Vader to put on our front lawn that half the time wouldn't stay inflated, but the boys couldn't get enough of it. And of course, we're in Easter bunny season because bunnies have everything to do with Jesus' resurrection, obviously, although I am a fan of Cadbury eggs, so it's hard for me to complain. But you see, this sort of stuff is, is all around us, right? Clearly, even the holiest of our holidays, we've some way or another found a way to commercialize it, to, to sort of add an extra layer that may not have been there initially, but certainly makes it a bit more fun for all of us. And I think about this because over the years, this gospel today, this moment where Jesus is in the temple, I always thought had to do with this idea that things were being too commercialized, that Jesus was frustrated with the commercialization of the temple and he was going to show them what was going on. And so he literally lashes out at them with a whip. And this is the moment then, therefore, that moves the scales against Jesus that it's this event that is the final straw for the authorities that be that causes them to go ahead and arrest him and soon hang him from a cross. That's what I thought, of course, until I realized that in John's gospel, this event takes place at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This isn't one of the last things he's done. In fact, it's one of the first things he does. It happens right after Cana. He's fresh from his first sign at Cana, still six more to complete before his ministry is over, and this is who and how Jesus is revealed at the temple. 
he goes in and this sets the stage for the one who is the word that's become flesh, full of grace and truth. The truth of the matter is, though, the problem isn't the decor of the temple. The problem isn't what's in the temple. The problem is this misunderstanding of what the temple itself really is. Now, Jesus is part of a group of pilgrims. We're making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple, in preparation for the holy feasts of the Passover. So he's going and doing what any good Jew would do. He's going and finding reconciliation with God in preparation for this holiest of times for those who are of the faith. And I think that's a, a good place to find ourselves right now, too. In many ways, we are gathered here this day in this space, this church, this building, during the season of Lent, that's a journey, a journey towards our holy day of Easter, and a journey that takes us through this process of reconciliation. That's one of the key words, the key phrases that frames out this entire season. So we ourselves are undergoing and participating in those practices that help with that process, right? Those three Lenten sort of um, practices that we take upon ourselves, prayer, right, filet of fish, and then those little, those little folders that we used to get at church where you have to stick a quarter in every day to keep track of the days of Lent. But dad would always forget. So what he'd do is give us a roll of quarters the morning of when they were due. And then we'd be in the car ride stuffing them in and dropping quarters in the car getting yelled at, right? All the things that reconcile us with God to prepare us to meet God anew on Easter Sunday. And so, again, Jesus walks in to this temple, this location that facilitates this process, this accepted process of reconciliation, and he doesn't like what he sees. So he starts flipping tables, makes a, a whip, and drives out the animals. It seems a bit dramatic, though. I've always wondered why these theatrics? Why is he doing this? Why is he upturning what's accepted as a ritual process, or had been for many, many years before? And he kind of starts to give us an answer. He says to them, stop making my father's house a marketplace. And I think there's two interesting aspects of that. The first is this idea of it being his father's house. This idea of connecting himself in a familial way directly to God itself is a fascinating declaration. Remember, Jesus is fresh on the scene here. We're only about halfway through the second chapter of this gospel. And he's already making that direct familial association with God. But I think the second part of his statement is equally important because it reveals this idea that somehow the purpose or somehow this temple has changed. Something is different about it. The way that it's functioning isn't how it was intended to function or isn't how they're used to seeing it work. And it's easy for us in a modern sense to step back and say, well, we've, we've never experienced that. We would have no idea what that feeling must be like. But I would say that maybe we're kidding ourselves. Because the reality is, our relationship with our holy space, this very sanctuary, has changed dramatically in the last year. In fact, we're close to a year almost exactly from when we first had to, quote-unquote, shut down here. And if we take a step back, things have changed. I mean, think about it. For the first time in over 75 years, we didn't hold a regular Sunday service. That's a big streak to break. 
right? That is an amazing thing to think, that we went that long, and then suddenly, it wasn't just one or two Sundays, but it's been almost a year of Sundays where we haven't physically gathered in this space. And that doesn't even account, then, for the idea of renovating these spaces, too. What we're looking ahead at is a six-month renovation, thankfully not a 46-year one like the temple was undergoing. I don't have that kind of time, but six months I can do. But even in this process of preparing for renovation, what we're seeing is this opportunity to consider what is the purpose of our building? What has its purpose been? How has it served that purpose? And what are our hopes and our dreams and our goals for this place, this ministry, this congregation, this body of Christ moving into the future. Indeed, if there's anything we've learned from this last year is that things can change. Spaces can change. Where we gather changes. Where we encounter God or, or where we carry out our ministry can happen anywhere, but for some reason we keep ending up back here. And I think that's because for many of us, perhaps for generations in our family, for some of us here, this has been the place where you've encountered God most clearly in your life. This is the place where you have come closest to the very body of Christ. And it's not the brick and mortar of this building that makes that possible. It's the people moving inside of it that make that happen. It's the people that, that gather to worship, say, on a Sunday morning, or perhaps to celebrate together at a wedding, or to mourn together as we did twice yesterday at a funeral. This space is important because those life passages happen time and time again here, but what's most important is the reality that Christ is present in this space each and every time one of those events happens. The truth of the matter is, what Jesus is saying today in this gospel is that he is the temple. He is the church. His body is what matters. And he's asked for this sign. And he gives, as Jesus always does, a really cryptic response that means nothing to those gathered. And he goes off and says, well, you know, knock the building down and in three days we'll be raised again. And of course, his immediate audience has no idea what's going on. They completely don't understand what's happening. But luckily for us, John, our writer, ensures that we don't miss it. He beats us over the head with it and says, listen up, guys. He's talking about the resurrection. And the disciples are going to realize it at the end too, but they're not there yet. But you, you, my reading audience, certainly are. You see, through Christ, we realize that now we don't just encounter God in one space. We encounter God wherever it is that the body of Christ is found, where Jesus is found. Because it's in the body of Christ that we encounter the divine. It's in the body of Christ that we find reconciliation. It's in the body of Christ that we experience the resurrection. As it turns out, we're able to hold the body of Christ in our hands each and every time we gather, or perhaps even from home, as it turns out in recent months. In other words, this temple isn't limited to one set location, but now it's wherever the body of Christ is gathered. And as it turns out, some of the rules for that are pretty simple. Quorum for the body of Christ is two or more. Two or more. And as it turns out, it doesn't specify two or more in the same physical space even. As we found, again, with virtual spaces. We can gather together even when we are apart. So maybe, maybe this year, instead of saying that we are 
going to come to church this Lent, what we should be saying is we are coming to Christ this Lent. We're coming to Christ who is the church, the body of Christ that is the church. And we encounter God here each and every time we do that. Not because God lives here. Although growing up, that's what I thought the church was, right? It was literally God's home. Like I was expecting to find like a sleeping mat in one of the back rooms of my church where God hung out on, week, you know, on weekdays. But it's not that God lives here. It's that, indeed, the body of Christ moves here, as it always has. And sometimes it might look different. Sometimes it might drag us into virtual spaces, as we found. And, and sometimes it may feel unfamiliar, but I assure you, the body of Christ itself has remained unchanged through this process. And even though, from time to time, seasons can blur together, and we're looking ahead at a lot of different seasons, we're looking ahead at the season of Easter and resurrection. We're looking at a season of renovation. We're looking at a season of reopening ahead of us. You know, as all of them blur together, we have to remind ourselves that Christ is here all along. That Christ is at the center of who we are and what we do. Not just back when we opened in 1941, or not just a year and a half ago before this pandemic hit, but each and every time that we gather as the body of Christ, we are the church. And it may change, it may be unfamiliar, it may be uncomfortable, but the reality is Christ is always and will always be here. Thanks be to God. Amen.